Today I'd like to talk about paging through large amounts of data automatically with UI Table View. So I have a service here running on my machine that lists beers, and you've seen this in use in episode 6. So if I run a quick curl command, you'll see what the data is that's being returned from the service. And we can clean up that by running that through a little formatting script. And you can see here that the last elements in here include paging information, and there are 197 pages of beers in this service. Now with that in mind, I have an application here called Beer Scroller, and I'd like to fetch these beers using UI Table View. Now I'd like to use AF Networking to make the HTTP call for me, so I'm going to add a pod file. Now inside of the pod file, I'll specify that this is an iOS project and that we have a dependency on the AF Networking pod. And once that's done, we just run pod install and the name of our Xcode project. And now we just open up the generated workspace that CocoaPods gave us. So here I've got a simple view controller, but I want to change this to a UI table view controller. So there's a few steps I have to do. First, I need to change the base class to UI table view controller. Next, I'm just going to delete this interface builder file because we don't need it. And over in the app delegate where our view controller is instantiated, we're going to change the way it is constructed to not reference a nib and instead we're going to use the default constructor on UI table view controller which is init with style passing in UI table view style plane and here in our controller we have to implement the UI table view data source methods and there we go so this should create a few sample cells for us to make sure this is all wired up correctly so let's build and run and see what we have so you can see that we have everything wired up correctly. So now let's go back to our project and we're going to add a class that's going to serve as our model, in this case, beer. So let's go back to the group, right click and add a new file. We're going to choose Objective-C class and name it beer, which inherits from NSObject. So here we're just going to add a couple of properties for the beer. The first one is going to be a name and the next one will be a brewery. Here we'll synthesize those properties and create our backing IVARs and create a dialic method to release this. Now I want to add a custom initializer called a nitwit dictionary. It's going to take an NS dictionary now the purpose of this method is to take a parsed JSON dictionary representation of a beer and hydrate it into a real object, an instance of our beer model. So in our implementation, we're just going to call the uh, default initializer. And then for our initialization code, we're just going to set a couple of properties, pulling out those keys of the dictionary. So we'll start off by parsing name. We'll just pull out dictionary object for key name. And for brewery, we'll do the same for the key brewery underscore name. then return self at the end, and now we have a quick way of returning a beer from its JSON representation. And now back in our view controller, let's go to the top and add a reference to afnetworking.h, because we'll be needing that in a minute. And in viewed load, we want to go ahead and fetch the beers. So let's call a method called uh, selffetchbeers, and we need to declare that somewhere. So let's add the reference up at the header in the class continuation. 
This will allow us to use call this method from anywhere in the class. And at the bottom, we'll just create a section in here for the fetching code and define our method. So first, we need a URL to our service. So I'm going to create an NS URL. And it's running at localhost port 3000. And we need to reference the beers endpoint, which is beers.json. And then we use that URL to create an NSURL request. And now we can create our AFJSON request operation. So we'll use AFJSON request operation alloc init with request. And now we just set the completion block and the failure block for the AFJSON request operation. Now the completion block takes the AFHTTP request operation and the response object as parameters. And the failure block takes that and an NS error. And let's just line this all up. Now in the completion block, let's just log the response we got just to make sure everything is wired up properly and we're getting valid data from the server. Now in the error block, I want to log out the error that we get. So let's go ahead and NS log and use the localized description of the error. But I also want to present a message to the user. So let's go ahead and create a quick UI alert view. And we'll just tell the user that there was an error and to please try again later. And we'll go ahead and show the alert view. Finally, we need to actually start the operation. And once we do that, it'll be retained and we can release our copy. So now let's run the application. And if we take a look at the console while the application is running, we should see the data coming back from the server. Now we're still just fetching the first page, but before we get into paging, let's go ahead and bind this table to the data being returned from the service. Now we need an array to store the results of the, uh, the call. So let's go ahead and add a property in our class continuation here for an NS array called beers. And now we'll synthesize that property. So here in our completion handler, we want to loop over the responses and adding the results to an array. So if we take a look at the JSON returned, Scroll up to the top, you can see that all of the data is actually stored under the key beers. So if we pull out the key beers, that should return an array. So let's go ahead and loop over the results, pulling out a beer dictionary for each one of the elements in the array. So let's go ahead and add the import statement for our class at the top. And then back down in our loop where we're parsing out the dictionary, let's create a new beer instance. We'll use beer alloc init with dictionary using the custom initializer we wrote, passing in the beer dictionary. This will return a parsed beer object, and now we just need to add that to the array. And then finally, we can release our beer instance. So at this point, we have a mutable array full of the results. We just need to assign that to our NSArray 
property of beers, and then reload the table data. But we're still hard coding the table cell values. So let's go ahead and return self.beers.count for the number of rows in section. And for the uh, table view cell for row and index path method, we're going to change the cell style to subtitle. And then let's pull out the beer that represents this row. So that'll be self.beers object at index, index path.row. And then we're going to set the text label text property to be equal to the beer's name and then use the detail text labels text property to the beers brewery. And if we run this, we should see actual data coming back. And we do. So you can scroll through the list of beers that are being returned, but we're still returning just one page. So what we'd like to do is add another row at the end of this list. And when the user gets to that row, we'll fetch the next page for them, which is a pretty nice user experience. So they don't actually have to tap next page. So in order to do this, we're going to need to uh, read the response to pull out the total pages returned in the current page we're on. And if there's more data to be displayed, we're going to show a loading row on the very end and fetch the next page. So I need to make a couple of changes to support this. First, I want to change our array to be a mutable array so we can just keep tacking on results onto the end. So in our declaration, we're going to change that to NS mutable array. And we can go ahead and initialize that in our viewToDload method to be a new array instance. And that means we can get rid of this intermediary array and just add the beers directly onto our, our property. Next, let's add a couple of instance variables so that we can keep track of what page we're on and how many total pages we have. So those are both going to be NS integers, one called current page and the other called total pages. Now when we're parsing the response, we can pull out that JSON key that we found earlier and convert that into an integer. So we'll set the total pages instance variable to the response object, object for key, total pages, and that's going to return an ns number, so we just have to call int value on it to get an integer. So current page can be initialized to 1 inside of view did load, because that's the page that we want to fetch. And then when it comes to rendering out the beers, we want to make sure that uh, we add a loading row at the end if there's more data. So here in the number of rows in section, we can check to see if our current page is less than the total number of pages. And if so, we're going to just uh, increase the number returned by one so that we can add a row onto the end. Now, when we get to render the cell for this index, it's possible that we're going to be at the very end beyond our array. So that code isn't actually going to work. So what we need to do is extract this code out into its own method so that we can uh, check the index to see if we have a valid beer index. We'll return the beer cell for that row. So here I'm going to create uh, just a helper method that will return a table view cell for the beer at that index path. And we'll just paste in this code here. And then here we'll just check to see if we are, uh, if our index path is less than the total number of beers, meaning it's a valid index, then we'll use the beer cell. Otherwise we'll use the loading cell.
So we need to create that method. So a loading cell is just going to be a standard UI table view cell with the default style. And we need to uh, add a UI activity indicator to it. So we'll create a UI activity indicator view with the uh, gray style. And then we'll uh, position that in the center of the cell. So we can set the center to be the cell center. And then uh, add that as a subview to the cell. And uh, start. we'll start animating the activity indicator. And then finally, we'll return the cell. So now let's run that. And if we scroll to the bottom of this list, we see our extra row. Now we don't actually want to fetch this data until the user sees that row. And to accomplish this, we can use a table view delegate method called will display cell. So if we implement that on our view controller, table view will display row at index path, we can check to see if this is a loading cell. And one way we can do that is by adding a known tag to our cell class. So if we add that as a constant to the top of our view controller, a tag is just an integer and we'll call it kLoadingCellTag and we'll just give it a number. Then in the loading cell method, we will set up that cells tag to be equal to that constant. And then now it's very easy just to check this uh, will display cell table view to see if it matches the tag. And if so, then we just need to fetch the next page. And now that's as easy as incrementing the current page and calling fetch beers again. Now in our fetch beers method, we're not actually using the page yet. So what we need to do is fix that up. We're going to move that into a string that we can format. So we'll create a new ns string called URL string, and we'll use the ns string string with format method to add in a page parameter, which is an integer. So now if we run that, when we get down to the bottom, you can see that it fetches the next page. As soon as we see the loading row, we fetch the next page. So there's a couple of things that we can do to improve this just a little bit more. The first thing, you may have noticed that when we first loaded the data, that there was just a blank white screen with no loading indicator at all. Now since we already have a loading indicator for loading the next page, it would be nice if we could just sort of repurpose that at minimal cost to uh, show a loading row as soon as the page loads. So what we can do here is in number rows for section, the self.beers.count is going to return zero. And what we can do here is check to see if the current page is zero. And if that's the case, then we're just going to return one row and that's going to be the loading row. Now current page being zero is going to just be our initial value for current page. And so we'll just set that up in view did load. So here in viewed load, we'll set current page to zero. And that's going to cause the loading row to be displayed. And when that happens, it's going to increment the beers and call fetch beers. So we don't need to call that in viewed load. And here you can see for a brief moment, you saw a loading row there as soon as the view controller loaded.
Now there's a minor piece of housekeeping that we haven't done yet. We never release the beers array. So let's go ahead and add a dialic method here and we'll release the backing IVAR for that array. Now there's one other issue that I'd like to address and that is with data that changes kind of often. So let's go ahead and look at the list. Say we're looking at rows 1 through 20. And while we're looking at this list, somebody adds a row that would end up on page 1. What that means is, the last index in the row, Firewater Indian Pale L, is actually index 21 in the system now. So when I fetch the next page, this row is actually going to be index 1 on page 2. Now this is only a problem when we're looking at data that changes often. So when we are parsing the response, we're just blindly adding the beer to the array without checking to see if it exists already. So what I'd like to be able to say is, if the uh, beer is not already in the array, using contains object, then we'll add it. Now this will solve the problem, however we need to make a modification to our beer class to support this method. So to support this, we have to make a modification to our beer class and override a method called isEqual. Now array is going to call this and uh, see if this element is in the array. So we first need to check to see if this object is the same class. So we'll check the uh, object is kind of class, beer class. And if it's not, we'll just return no, because these things are not equal. Next, I'd like to return some sort of um, unique identifier for comparison. So we're just going to cast this other beer, this other object to a beer instance, and then check some unique identifier. So I just added that off camera, and now we can just check to see if this beer ID equals the other beer ID. And if so, these objects are equal. And now that we have a working is equal implementation, we go back to our view controller. This code to check to see if this object is already in the array will work just fine. So if we run this, if we were to see this problem in the future, you would have noticed that there were double rows as on page boundaries. So there might have been two of these Firewater Indian Pale Now we're correctly checking to see if that object already exists in the list and not adding it twice. So there you have a look at how to implement automatic UI table view paging. I find this technique to be super useful, so I hope you found this useful as well. Well, thanks for watching, and I'll see you again in a week.